Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Unchurched. My name is Rebecca, and for the next half an hour or so or less, I am going to be yammering on about uh, church culture. Basically, what we're doing is we're looking at um, church culture. That's the thoughts, the ideas, the beliefs, and um, ideas that are held by a group of people and how they translate into the traditions and the actions of that community hence church culture um basically if you we're talking about the overlapping ideas so if you take a if you know what a venn diagram is it's where you have two circles and then you overlap them and then you label one church like um that would be if you label one institutional church and then you label the one as biblical church or universal church um the, the part where they overlap would be the common ideas that are between the two. Now, there are a lot of people that are like, well, what do you mean overlap? Wouldn't they be the same? Sometimes they are a lot the same. And then sometimes they're not. Today, we're going to be talking about, um, we're continuing on a topic that um, we've been discussing for the last several weeks. We've been talking about um, the concept of sin and um, where sin comes from, who we are with our sin, where when we're born with sin, if we're born with sin, which um, if you were listening early on, that yes, that everyone is born with a sinful nature. No one escapes that. Um, and then we talked about, um, we, we've been talking about grace and we're going to be talking about mercy and we'll also be talking about some other stuff here, but um, we talked about greasy grace or excessive grace and then, but, um, and grace is covered quite a bit in the American church, quite a lot, actually. I mean, there's, it's one of the main topics that is talked about in church, which is great. And it does need to be talked about. And there's some extreme views on both sides of what that grace should look like, um, but there is another side to grace, and it's something that is not often talked about in the American church. In fact, um, it's one of the – doesn't even top, like, the top 50 sermons that are preached on in a year in, uh, <laughs> in church. Now, if you think about that, it doesn't even top – like, it's not even within the top 50, like, most popular sermons. And – there are 52 weeks in a year, which grace is often talked about a lot throughout the year. The love of God is talked about, and you'll even find that the cross and the crucifixion is talked about at least once a year, and then alongside some other, and then Christmas and the birth and coming of Christ. But one topic that just hardly ever blips on the radar is the topic of mercy, and I really, it really kind of boggles my mind because um, grace and mercy are often talked about together in the Bible. They are, the the seat in which God sits on is called the mercy seat. So you would think that this is a topic that would be discussed quite a bit. 
And I began to think about it, and it's like, this is missing from our culture. Uh, Not just in church culture, the topic and the concept of mercy, but it's also missing from American culture as well. And now there's a lot of people that are probably going to go, what do you, what, what do you mean it's missing? Well, let's, let's think about mercy and what it is. Um, and also what it isn't. I think, um, if we look at, um, our secular culture, when we watch movies and the, one of the most popular tropes that we like to watch is people getting their just deserves. Um, that exactly what they deserve for what they've done. Um, revenge is a popular theme. If about 10 years ago, there was a television show that was on for a few seasons called Revenge, and it was very popular, where a woman was going through and taking revenge for all the things that had happened to her father and her family and to her on all these people that had done that. Um the, the idea that someone who is a terrible person, that they end up getting exactly what they that they get, that the bad guy always gets um, his just deserves, his, just what he deserves or what she deserves in the end. Um, we want to see Cruella DeVille uh, not and we want to see the puppy survive. We want to see Cruella um, end up in a ditch. We want to see her you know, those sorts of things. We also want to see um, Hans Gruber in Die Hard be dropped from the top of a building because he's, you know, he's a terrorist and he took over Nakatomi Tower and um, so on and so forth. Like this, this is a common theme in our culture. And so because we like to see this, because we like the concept of revenge, because we like... Um, be like seeing what people actually deserve get what they deserve I think that it's kind of underpinned and undermined in the church a bit because of so of popular culture and um, within what is our regular culture um I don't know exactly why that is. I'm sure that there's a good strong reason I haven't really researched it out why our culture does that. Um, I think it stems from a very strong sense of moral justice that we feel that justice should happen. And so um, let's look at, we're going to look at um, the concept of mercy, but we're going to look at it from being unmerciful. And so the topic this week is unmerciful. And we're going to go to the Bible to look and find out where there is no mercy exhibited. And it happens to actually occur in a in a book in the Bible that is one of the historical, considered one of the historical documents. It's the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua, um, let's set this up and talk about Joshua a little bit, because before this, uh, we had the, we had the Garden of Eden, and then we had Abraham, and then Everybody in Israel, and then uh, the all the Israelites ended up in Egypt over a famine, and Joseph saving them all. And but then they ended up in slavery for several hundred years, and then they needed to be delivered from that. And so God rose up Moses to 
deliver his people out of Egypt. Well, the people, the God's people, uh, the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they were really uh, rebellious and they were whiny and complaining and they had daily miracles happen. They had manna given to them from heaven on a daily basis, six days out of the week. There was quail that came through the camp. Water sprang out of rocks for them. They walked um, through the, the Red Sea. There was a giant pillar of smoke by day guiding them through the wilderness. Uh, and there was a giant pillar at night. Uh, there, The glory of God filled the temple once they built it. I mean, we're talking, these were not people that were just wandering around in a desert in, a tent, in tents for 40 years. They had daily miracles given to them on the daily, and they were extremely, extremely rebellious. Uh, the laws were given to them through Moses, so the Ten Commandments, and then also the Levitical Code, and the the so the Mosaic Law was given, the Levitical Code was given, um, Deuteronomy was written in this time, and uh, the stuff that happened in Numbers. Uh, as well, the counting of all the Israelites and during that time wandering in the 40 years in the desert. So when they went, um, when the rebellious and unbelieving generation, the people that didn't believe that God was going to do what he said what, that he was going to do, even though they had miracles daily in front of their eyes happening, and God was doing the impossible for them, that um, and they didn't believe it, um, after that generation had passed away, and Moses, because in, in a fit of anger, he hit a rock. And so he didn't get to see, um, he didn't get to go over into the promised land. But um, Joshua, who had been under the authority of Moses and was a helper of Moses and was he ended up being the leader of the Israelites and he took them over into the promised land. So here's the Israelites. They've been promised this land by God and they go in there and then God tells them to act un to act without mercy upon these people who had been living in the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised the Israelites. Um, and we see this over and over and over again. And when they don't act, um, and if they act with some mercy, God, like things don't go well for them, uh, they have to regroup and then they have to repent and then go back and, um, and do what God has told them to do. So we're going to look at um, Joshua 6. Verse 24, tw no, 21. So without mercy, well, let's, let's, let's read it in context. Let's not just uh, read it, <laughs> just read it. So, uh, so this is after they have uh, gone to the, the city of Jericho, God has told them, okay, you're going to march around this seven times. And on the seventh time, you're going to um, blast, you're going to shout a war cry. And um, 
and then he's the wall will come tumbling down. So the people, so verse 21, Joshua 21, 620, uh, Then the people shouted, they blew their trumpets. As soon as the people heard the trumpet blast, they shouted a loud war cry. Then the wall collapsed. The people went up against the city, attacking straight ahead. They captured the city. Verse 21, without mercy, they wiped out everything in the city as something reserved for God. Man and woman, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. There was nothing that was left. So without mercy, they wiped out everything in the city, man and woman. Um, so that's young and old. So, so they didn't spare any woman. They didn't spare any man. The no child was spared. Um, even the old people with who were going to die eventually and soon were not spared. Uh, the cattle the sheep and the donkeys. So the provision of these people was also destroyed. Their uh, workhorses were destroyed. Their uh, everything that was useful was destroyed. So this is like there's no mercy. So if something, even if somebody were to survive, there's absolutely nothing left for these people at all. Nothing. There's nothing of them and nothing for them and nothing by them. Gone. Merciless. Absolutely merciless. It's it's worse than dropping um, a bad guy from a tower. It's worse than that. It's like obliteration. Um, and this is not the only example of this. We're going to go to Joshua 8.24. And we will read this in context because... It's because um, uh, it's important. Um, I highly recommend reading Joshua. A lot of atheists have trouble with Joshua because they're like, they're like, there's so much God advocates genocide. It's like, well, these people were acting without mercy and they were worshiping other gods and they were acting horribly to themselves, to their neighbors. Um, they're, they are the bad guys in these scenarios. These people were, they, it wasn't that they were just worshiping other gods. This, that the way in which they were worshiping other gods, these are like the worst of the worst people. These are people who, um, were absolutely and a hundred percent awful. Um, so Joshua eight twenty three says, but they seen, seized the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. So they've taken over Ai, the, 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 the area of Ai and Israel, Israel finished killing the entire population of Ai that had chased them out into the open wasteland. So these, this is, um, so the, the people of Ai had chased Israelite the Israelites out into the wasteland. Like they weren't just gonna like kill them; they were gonna make them suffer horribly. <laughs> like you guys are gonna die a horrible death out in the desert. We're not just gonna kill you; we're gonna like make you die of starvation and dehydration. And so, and to a place where you can't even live. So they, so they chased them out there, but, um, Israelite came back. God, um, God protected Israelite, brought them back and had them destroy I. So they 
All of those people were finished off without mercy. Then all Israel went back to Ai and struck it down without mercy. 12,000 men and women died that day, all the people of Ai. So we're not talking about like this is without this is if you want to know what (laughs) unmerciless what no mercy looks like this is it you find what what um what unmerciless activity looks like and you find it in the book of joshua again and again and again we see this and it doesn't just stop there um this happens over and over and over again in there. Um, in Joshua 10, they do this to Makeda, they the king, um, and everybody. Uh, they let they leave no survivors. Um, they do everything like they did to Jer- Jericho. So um, sheep, donkeys, children, old people. Anything that's useful is gone. Um, they, yeah, so th- they did this to Lashish. They did this to um, lots of different places. And I believe um, in Hazor, they actually even burn um, everything to the ground. So it's not, it's not just... There's nothing left. They're they're not just taking over. They are, and it's like we're not taking over your land, and we're going to keep your people as our slaves, and we're not going to we're going to take your sheep as our own. Uh, this was not that. This was an absolute, an utter destruction. Because had they gone in and said, "Oh, we're just going to take this and take that," the it said it's um. It's more of seen one is that it's um, they're not acknowledging that the provision comes from God. Number two is that what uh, somebody that was doing awfully and horribly is, you know, that their stuff is um, unholy and what it was used for is um, not is tainted. Um, you know, it would be really similar to like, say, let's say that, for example, that um, a church was at war with a strip club and the strip club was uh, built. So let's say that this uh, strip club took over a church and uh, or a building that a church was in and or want or had purchased the land, but then like a, like a, like a strip club. Yeah. So let's say a strip club moves in uninvited, hangs out there. They're selling wares and um, doing uh, and not just not and they're doing things that are also illegal on site. So they're selling drugs out of there. They've got glitter everywhere. They've got body paint everywhere and their chairs and um so let's say that they go to court and the church wins back their building and uh now it would be gross for the church to go well these chairs are still good chairs let's go ahead and use them uh the this glitter is still okay. We can use it in the children's, um, for children's art 
art, you know, the children's children's glitter and the and the body paint, and then we can use that for the children's arts and crafts. No, 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 no. Anybody who thinks that that's okay is no, absolutely no, 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 no. I'm going to say this, and you know, is that. When you've used things for situations that are not okay, there's something gross about it. Like, you've got to get rid of it. Um, and really, you've got to get rid of it in a... Elsewhere. It's, um... Yeah, it's just... It's not okay. Like, like... I'm sure that anybody who was in their right mind would go, no, those chairs need to be burned and we need to just burn the glitter and we need to like scrub and like take a, a, a blaze to this entire place. Like, let's just bulldoze it and start all over. Uh, the ground is ours, but this this shack is gross and we're going to bulldoze it down. I mean, that would be that that would be the most sane thing to do is to start over um, rather than go. Oh, because people are going to drive by and go. It wasn't that a strip club at one point in time. And now it's a church. And isn't that the same building? Oh, yeah. So you're going to have some guy that walks in there that used to frequent the place and go. Oh, you know, oh, here, let me show you where the bathrooms are. Oh, I know where they are. Like, and he may even just turn around and walk right back out because there's too many memories if he was a frequent user of that and he's repented and has a new life. So it is better to just start over in that instance. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I'm getting way off topic. Uh, so, but without mercy means that, um, is that there's nothing left. Is, um, is that, uh, it's, be, it's basically you get exactly what you deserve and then some. Uh, it is important to discuss that and what it, what on without mercy or unmerciless looks like because when when things are done without mercy it's it's obliteration it's destruction it's destroying it's getting rid of things down to the very end to there's nothing left um, when you hear about somebody destroying another person's life that's like no mercy to the nth degree so you have to have but you have to have grace with mercy and you have to have mercy. So let's talk about that. So um, first of all, mercy is the opposite of being unmerciless um, of destruction. So you've got destruction, but mercy says, uh, you know what? I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Um, and this is what God has done for us because we in our um, in our sinful state do not deserve anything. We deserve death. We deserve to go to the grave. We deserve that all of that. And 
Yet God in his infinite wisdom and his love for us says, you know what? No, I'm going to stave off death. I'm going to save you from that. And that's mercy. Mercy is is um, sparing us from what we do deserve. Um, now, mercy without grace is sparing us or a pardon. But if you don't have the grace, it's a pardon without accountability. So it would be, yeah, I'm just going to spare you. And then there's no accountability with grace because it's like, oh, okay, now what? I've, yay, I've been set, you know, like, um, I don't have death, but uh, you can stay. It's like, yeah, but you can stay in prison. You know, like if you receive the death penalty, but eh, you can stay in prison. There's um, grace is opening up the door to the prison. And we've talked about that, is that grace is allow, is opening up the door. Mercy is saving us from what we do deserve. And then grace is giving us what we do not deserve. So we don't deserve to walk out like Barabbas when we talked about Barabbas. And we don't deserve to walk out of the prison. Absolutely. And that's grace that God gives us. But we absolutely 100% have, have to receive mercy in order to receive grace. When we talk about grace, and this is where I think where a lot of people get confused with the greasy grace um, or, or the antinomianism, is that they see it, grace as a license to do whatever. It's like, oh, well, you can do whatever. But if you don't have a concept of mercy, if you don't understand that you have been spared from something, that you have been evil, that you have been, that you absolutely deserve destruction, that you absolutely deserve all that, then it's just a license to do whatever you want. So grace without mercy is a license to do whatever you want. There's no sense. You wouldn't have any sense of responsibility. If you don't understand that, if you don't understand mercy and you don't understand that you deserve death and if you don't understand that you don't deserve anything at all, then of course you're going to see, oh, well, I can do whatever I want and God will forgive me. It'll be fine. Because you have, because the person that does that has no concept of the gravity of the sin that has, that put Jesus up on the cross. They don't understand that there was an exchange made and the gravity and the weight of that. Because a person who understands the gravity and the weight of mercy. understands the preciousness of grace. They understand that the accountability that it comes with grace. They understand the responsibility of grace. 
Whew. Yeah, so... Um, I... saw a thought there. Something that we don't often talk about, something that I believe that we do need to comprehend. Um, I, I, I do believe that a lot of people who uh, do not feel that they've made a lot of mistakes in life, um, a lot of Christians that don't have that weight, um, that don't understand the gravity of the, the gravity of depravity, that I believe that they're light on mercy, that mercy is that they're that they go more for that. Nope, you deserve every little bit of what you get. Well, yeah, so do you, and every person deserves all of that. The only person that doesn't and got it was Jesus Christ. So, the only person who didn't deserve what we deserve is Jesus Christ. That's it. There are a lot of people out there who are hungry for justice, but in the way that it's not justice, because there's no mercy and there's no grace tempered with their justice, they want revenge. And there are a lot of people that are like, yeah. This political or this political party needs to burn and die, be destroyed. That's not justice. That's not mercy and that's not grace. The only person who's able to do that is sits on the throne that is called the mercy seat. And we are going to be talking about the mercy seat next week, but um, we're kind of we're we're kind of done for today, because um, yeah, unmerc being unmercif unmerciful and without mercy is just it's a heavy topic, and I think it's something that we need to chew on. And I do want to come back, and we will come back, and we will talk about mercy and the mercy of God. Um, and let me tell you, there's a lot of hope wrapped up with mercy. There's a lot of grace wrapped up with mercy. And there's, it is at the heart of why God is so good. I mean, God is really, really good. And we are horrible, awful human beings and don't deserve a bit of it. However, God in his infinite wisdom decided that he would bestow mercy and grace on us through his son, Jesus Christ. If you want to know more, you can uh, email us at talktome at unchurch.net or, um, you know, hang out for next week. If you want to, if you have any questions, email. If you want to know more, email, talk, email, all that. All right. See you next week.